this week we're in part two of our series on spiritual warfare. Last week we explained what spiritual warfare is. This week I'm going to speak about who our enemies are. And this is very important spiritual warfare because if you don't know who you're fighting against, you can never win any battle. So who are our foes in the spiritual warfare for the souls of mankind? Now, we do know as Christians that Jesus Christ has already won and we are victors in him. Amen. Philippians 2.10 says, So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. But we must endure in faith the daily encounters and firefights that we experience because we still go through things every day. With that said, we'll start with enemy number one, who is Satan. So who is Satan according to Scripture? The name Satan in Hebrew means adversary, and the devil in Greek means slanderer. So we already know he is an adversary and a slanderer. Revelations 12, 9 and 10 said, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Day and night. He is constantly accusing us before God. But as Christians, we have Jesus to intercede on our behalf. He is the accuser of God's people and he seeks to devour them like a lion as Peter said in 1 Peter 5.8. Matthew Henry stated, Permission is granted to Satan to make trial but with a limit. If God did not chain up the roaring lion, how soon would he devour us? Now contrary to the beliefs of many, Satan is not the opposite of God. He has no power or knowledge like God. He cannot create or be in all places at once like God. Satan, as with all created beings, bows down to our Creator God. Satan is a created being, having been created by God as his most powerful angelic assistant. But in his vanity and pride, he rebelled against God. God controls Satan. Jesus Christ defeated Satan on this cross. But the devil is still waging war against mankind and he wants to take as many of us to hell with him as he can. That's his goal. If you look through antiquity at the atrocities and evils of men, just look back in history. I would say that Satan and his soldiers have done a pretty good job working on mankind. Wouldn't you agree? First John 3 8 says, He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's very important. Jesus came to save us, but coming to save us, he had to destroy the works of Satan. Don't forget how powerful Satan is. Satan has had a field day with mankind and has used our sin nature to twist and corrupt us in any way that he pleases. Praise Jesus that he came from heaven to earth to save us and undo these damages of the devil. The Bible says that Satan was created by God as a cherub or a cherubim named Lucifer, the most powerful of God's angelic beings. 
What does Satan the cherub look like? He doesn't look like the little chubby cherub or the guy with the pitchfork and the red suit. He wants you to think he looks that way because then he seems harmless. When you feel that something is harmless, do you have any fear or inclination that it can hurt you? No. That's why he does it. Turn to Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel 28, verses 12 through 16. Ezekiel 28, 12 through 16 says, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The worksmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Now in, in verse 14 it says, You were the anointed cherub. These cherubim occupy a unique position. The anointed cherub who covers is the picture given to us in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve had been sent out and God had placed the cherubim to guard the tree of life. Remember with the, with the sword that spun in all directions? Also, when Moses made the mercy seat and placed it into the tabernacle's holy of holies, God's glory came and dwelt between the two cherubim. They covered the mercy seat with their wings. So we now see that Satan was a cherub and his position was to guard the very throne of God. But then in verse 16 it says, By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. The sin that corrupted Lucifer was self-generated pride. And this exemplifies the actual beginning of sin in the universe. Sin originated in the free will of Lucifer, Satan. He was the covering cherub of God's throne. Satan had the highest of all positions, a position which he loathed because he wanted God's throne for himself. He does not want to be God's servant. He wants to be served, and there are countless angels and humans who have chosen to do just that. We will encounter many people today that serve Satan, a lot more than we would like to believe. They have held to his lies, and they have chosen to serve and follow him instead of God. Turn to Isaiah 14, please. Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15 says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning! How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations! For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, the lowest depths of the pit. We must not fear any of our enemies. But we cannot underestimate their power. In Jude 9, it says, When the archangel Michael, contending with the devil... They were disputing about the body of Moses. But he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. 
Satan is influential, evil, defined. Satan will continue in his rebellion against God until the very end. Although Satan is destined for the lake of fire, biblical prophecy indicates that he will deceive entire nations and kingdoms before he is relegated to eternal damnation. Along with the other fallen angels, he led into rebellion. Look at the world. We see it now. You read scripture, you see it back then. Many nations, many kings follow Satan. So now we'll talk about enemy number two, his fallen angels or demons or unclean spirits. Jude 6 through 8 says, And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulge in sexual immorality and pursuit unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams to follow the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. Did you see there where it says they were an example of eternal fire? And we know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. When they chose to follow Satan, they sealed their fate without the possibility of forgiveness and grace that humans have available to them through the salvation of Christ. Angels have no second chance. God's grace was just for us. This is how special human beings are to God. Matthew 25, 41 says, Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Evil spirits can perform miracles and signs to deceive. Revelation 16, 14 says, for they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. They don't just start gathering them in Revelation. They're doing it now. These demons are deceptive workers of iniquity. They are tormentors. 2 Corinthians 12, 7, Paul said, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations... A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited. So they can harass us. And they do. The Bible warns us and forbids us against trying to communicate with familiar spirits or ghosts or whatever you want to call them. Isaiah 8.19 says, When they say to you, consult the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not people go and consult God? Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living? Can the dead communicate with the living? We have a lot of people that think so, but they're actually talking to evil spirits. Ecclesiastes 9, 5, 6, and 10 says, The dead do not know anything, neither do they have any more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished. Neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave. Consult the Bible and not some crap horoscope or psychic. Because all you're doing is opening yourself up to demons. Whether you believe that or not, it is what it is. And that's what you're doing. 
1 John 4, 1-3, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming, and now it is already in the world. And these fallen angels, you know, we don't have any clue how many. We know a third fell from heaven, but we, we have no clue how many angels God created. But we know from inklings in Scripture that it's an uncountable number. So a third of that, that's a lot of fallen angels roaming around this earth. But we also have a clue from Scripture of how many can torment just one person. Turn to Mark 5. Mark 5, verses 1 through 11 Mark 5, 1 through 11 says, Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. They know who he is. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. In Roman terms, a legion is anywhere from 3,000 to 10,000 soldiers. So that's how many demons were in this man, taunting him. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him. See, all the demons. Truth comes out there. Send us into the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. They answered to him. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000 pigs. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So we know two things. Demons can possess people. Demons can possess animals. But Jesus has power over these demons. Luke 4, 35-36, Be quiet, Jesus said sternly, come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What is this teaching? What authority and power? He gives orders to evil spirits and they come out. God makes demons shudder. James 2, 19 says, You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Because they know who created them. And they know who will judge them. Unlike humans, most of us don't realize that. Luke ten seventeen says, Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Christians, never be afraid to use Jesus' name in any situation. We have the power to subject them to us through Jesus' name. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of Satan. Enemy number three, human followers of the devil i.e. everyone who's not saved by Jesus Christ. So that's a lot of people. A lot of people that we know. 
1 Timothy 5.15 says, For some have already strayed after Satan. And I hate to say it, but there may be one or two in this room right now. And that tears me up. I don't want to believe that, but it's very possible. That some people in here have not given their lives truly to Christ. John 8.44 says, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Some people may be in your own family. I know there's some in mine. I hate it, but they're lost. And if they're lost, they're following Satan. Matthew 10.35, Jesus said, For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And that's very true. We Christians know that some in our own families, they either don't want to have anything to do with us, they shun us, or just blow us off. And unfortunately, most of them are going to remember what we told them after the fact. Keep doing it. Keep telling them. Keep preaching at them. I'm going to read you an article. Spiritual warfare against Christ's church is growing and intensifying very rapidly. And I want to read you this article from Religion Today. They posted this article. It says, Hostility against Christian Americans is growing at an alarming rate, according to a new survey from the Family Research Council and Liberty Institute. CBN News reports. The Liberty Institute's Jeff Mateer noted that while last year's survey was based on 600 cases, this survey we're releasing right now is almost 1,200, so we've almost doubled in just one year. Those are the ones that are reported. Okay? Christians are being persecuted. One such case involved a college student, Audrey Jarvis, who was asked twice to remove her cross necklace or at least hide it at a student orientation. My supervisor came up to me out of nowhere and asked me to remove my cross necklace because he thought it would be offensive to incoming freshmen, she recalled. In another case, Air Force Senior Master Sergeant Philip Monk got in trouble with his lesbian commanding officer when she ordered him to answer how he felt about gay marriage. This is about religious freedom because I expressly stated that I had a religious conviction that wouldn't allow me to answer the question the way it was posed to me, Monk said. Former NFL running back Craig James found himself a victim of growing anti-faith sentiment when just one hour into a new job as a Fox Sports analyst, he was booted off the air. James and the Liberty Institute insist it was because a top network manager disapproved of a statement James made about gay marriage 15 months before in a political debate. They knew who I was, what I stood for, James told CBN News, and I am being punished. I was fired for my religious beliefs. With some 1,200 cases like these documented in the new religious hostility survey, Matir says he's frightened for his country. We all should be. The threats are increasing at a dramatic rate, and this survey demonstrates that. How scary would this guy think it was if he knew the real amount of number of cases that people don't say? Because Christians are usually the ones that turn the other cheek, right? We do. He noted that when believers fight back, they almost always win. So only by meekly accepting defeat will they let the enemies of religion triumph. They've stated their objective is to remove God from our public life, he said. Well, if we remain silent... 
that's going to happen. And that's our problem. We can stand up in love. The apostles did it. Jesus Christ did it. If someone was wrong, they would stand up and tell them the truth. They did not care about the consequences. Something else that's fitting in this category of our enemies are false Christians who also damage the body of Christ with liberal health and wealth, mean mentality based religion that has no foundation on scripture even though they are very cleverly twisting it to make it sound legitimate. 2 Corinthians 11, 13-15 says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. And to me, the worst and most sickening part is that some Christian churches are actually helping Satan divide the church because they deceive people with false teachings and doctrines. They deviate God's gospel and the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul touched on this with the Galatian church. He said in Galatians 1, 6-12, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so I now say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? This book has been so perverted by churches in this country. I don't even want to call them churches. Satan has done his best work by getting inside the church. He's done it from day one. He won't stop. He would, he would love to see every one of these churches burned to the ground. Paul continues, or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. <coughs> Christ said it is better for a millstone to be wrapped around their neck and tossed into the sea than to mislead one of God's children. He said that in Luke 17 too. And this is a very serious warning and charge by the Lord. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Humans have done much of the legwork for the sinister conspiracies of the devil. Many are false apostates. 2 Corinthians 11.4 says, For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. God sees the true ambitions in the hearts of these people. John 3.20 says, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. False teachers are going to fall into the hands of an angry God. And his punishment shall be just. We just have to pray that their eyes are open and, and that they'll find and follow the true Savior, Jesus Christ. Our blessed Savior is under attack 
not just by the devil and his ilk, but by people who say they are of Christ but do not know him. The Christian church is imploding from within, and that is why Christ said that only a remnant would be found when he returns. These churches have become politically correct and tolerant of sin and everything that the Bible says that all should repent and flee from. Churches are telling people that God loves them how they are, that he loves them in their sin. No, he doesn't. He abhors sin and he abhors the people that practice it. He wants all to come to his son in repentance and receive his gracious gift of salvation that Jesus died for on the cross. Jeremiah 5, 30, 31 says, An appalling and horrible thing, bringing desolation and destruction, has come to pass in the land, that prophets prophesy falsely and the priests exercise rule with their own hands and by means of the prophets. And my people love to have it so. But what will you do when the end comes? 2 Corinthians eleven fifteen says, So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Any person that you know, work with, live with, or even love that does not proclaim the name of Jesus as Lord is serving Satan. And he and his fallen angels will use them to manipulate and silence you in any way they can. This is war. They're going to play dirty. They don't care who they have to use. 1 John 2, 4-6 says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. James 4, 4 says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. People see Christianity as a crutch or some pie-in-the-sky hope because they say we're too weak-minded to rely upon ourselves. But to them, you know, any other books, they're just nothing but ink and paper. But our Bible is the living, breathing Word of God that lives forever. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And since most people, including these so-called Christians, are apt to see the devil as a non-existent force in people's lives, Satan is free to influence them without being discovered as the cause of many other problems. He'd like to do nothing more than take away the joy of Christians through deception and lead people into rebellion against God. I'm going to solidify this point right here. I want to read you an interview that, I, that just recently happened with one of the Supreme Court justices, and it exposes the most dangerous problem within spiritual warfare. It shows the non-belief and incorrect doctrines that most people in this world adhere to. Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, he's very intelligent, conservative, probably the most conservative justice on the bench. He's also a Roman Catholic. So that accounts for some of the false beliefs he has in this interview. But I want to read it because the premise is correct and it exposes the non-biblical worldview of many Americans and Christians. Now this article made headlines recently when he declared his belief that the devil is a real being who has a presence in the world today. His interviewer, Jennifer Senior of New York Magazine, was shocked 
by Scalia's statement. She was shocked that somebody believed in the devil. Here's how the exchange went, and of course, a few of my own interjections I've added as well, but you guys would ex expect nothing less, right? Um, senior says, you believe in heaven and hell. Scalia says, oh, of course I do. Don't you believe in heaven and hell? Senior goes, no. Scalia says, oh my. Senior says, does that mean I'm not going? And then Scalia answers, uh, unfortunately not. Senior says, wait, to, to heaven or hell? Now let me add something here. If she does not believe in heaven or, he heaven or hell, why would she care where she went? Scalia says it doesn't mean that you're not going to hell just because you don't believe in it. That's Catholic doctrine. Everyone is going to one place or the other. He's right on that point. Senior says, but you don't have to be a Catholic to get into heaven or believe in it. Scalia says, of course not. Senior says, oh, so you don't know where I'm going. Thank God. Thank God. Neither does she, obviously, and unfortunately. And she thanks God that she doesn't, somebody else doesn't know where she's going. I know where she's going if she doesn't repent. And it continues. It gets better. Scalia says, I don't know where you're going. I don't even know whether Judas Iscariot is in hell. I mean, that's what the Pope meant when he said, who am I to judge? He may have recanted and had severe penance just before he died. Who knows? Jesus does. And Christ said in his prayer to God the Father in John 17, 9, 2, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now the title son of perdition is only used twice in scripture. Once for Judas Iscariot, the second time for the Antichrist in 2 Thessalonians 2.3. And we know where the Antichrist ends up, in the lake of fire. The word perdition means eternal damnation or utter destruction, it can also be used as a noun, as a synonym for hell. This is an example here where serious false doctrine has truly given everyone the false sense that all roads lead to heaven. We know that Jesus said that he is the only way. John 4, 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So sadly... Miss Senior here, she has a false sense that she will end up going to heaven even though she doesn't believe in it. By her means, by her way. And he's, Justice Scalia had the chance to tell her about Christ. But it may have come to no avail because he himself does not understand scripture correctly. All he did was cement in her mind that she can get to heaven by any means that she deems the right way. And that's the problem in this world today. People think all roads lead to heaven. Back to the interview. Senior says, can we talk about your drafting process? She was trying to change the subject. The conscience, 
can get really squeamish when you start talking about God. Scalia leans in and whispers, I even believe in the devil. She goes, you do? Scalia says, of course, yeah, he's a real person. Hey, come on, that's standard Catholic doctrine. Every Catholic believes that. Senior says, every Catholic believes this? There's a wide variety of Catholics out there. Scalia says, if you are faithful to Catholic dogma, that is certainly a large part of it. Senior says, have you seen evidence of the devil lately? <clears throat> Scalia says, you know, it's curious. In the Gospels, the devil is doing all sorts of things. He's making pigs run off cliffs. He's possessing people and whatnot. And that doesn't happen very much anymore. Excuse me? Uh, it happens all over the world every day. Wickedness is at an all-time high. How can you not see the evil that resonates from the darkness that permeates the fabric of mankind? Especially somebody with some of the court cases that they see every year. And they don't recognize the evil in this country, in this world. They don't see it because Satan has been so clever as to make people believe and attribute sinful and wicked deeds to things other than the supernatural. And Senior answers, she says, no. And Scalia says, it's because he's smart. Senior says, so what's he doing now? And here's the greatest truth in this interview and the reason why I wanted to present it today. Scalia says, what he's doing now is getting people to not believe in him or in God. He's much more successful that way. I agree 100%. Senior says, that has really painful implications for atheists. Are you sure that's the, the devil's work? Scalia says, I didn't say atheists are the devil's work. I'll say they are. They're great workers for the cause of the devil. Because they make you believe in neither one, God or Satan. Senior says, well, you're saying the devil is persuading people to not believe in God. Couldn't, he, couldn't there be other reasons to not believe? Scalia says, well, there certainly can be other reasons, but it certainly favors the devil's desires. I mean, come on. That's the ex explanation of why there's not demonic possession all over the place. There is demonic possession all over this world, but again, it's attributed to another means of explanation. The world tries to explain it. You know, there's sickness, there's mental illness, there's forms of addiction. Demons influence a lot of that. Scalia says, that always puzzled me. What happened to the devil, you know? He used to be all over the place. He used to be all over the New Testament. Senior says, right. Scalia says, well, what happened to him? Senior says he just got wildier. Scalia, he got wildier. Here, Miss Senior, who says she doesn't believe in the devil, just stated that he's gotten more cunning and crafty. Huh. Senior says, isn't it terribly frightening to believe in the devil? Well, I say no, not when you know who his master and judge is. You have no reason to fear him at all. You need to fear God. And fear God's power. Not his created beings. Scalia says, you're looking at me as though I'm weird. My God, are you so out of touch with most of America? Most of which believes in the devil? I mean, Jesus Christ believed in the devil. Well, Jesus is God and God alone is the creator of all things, including the cherub 
Lucifer who fell and became known as Satan and the devil. Jesus knew he was real. Jesus created him. Colossians 1, 16-17 says, All things created by and through Jesus, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now Scalia continues with a fantastic point that truly puts into perspective the liberal mindset around this country. He says, it's in the Gospels. You travel in circles that are so, so removed from mainstream America that you are appalled that anybody would believe in the devil. Most of mankind has believed in the devil for all of history. Many more intelligent people than you or me have believed in the devil. Senior says, I hope you weren't sensing contempt for me. It wasn't your belief that surprised me so much as how boldly you expressed it. Scalia says, I was offended by that. I really was. And that was the end of the exchange. Sometimes there's truth. You just have to dig it out of the mud. According to the Barnett Group, the majority of Christians that they survey do not believe that Satan or the devil actually exists. People that said that they were Christians. However, according to a AP AOL news poll, up to 97% of evangelical Christians believe that angels exist. That tells me they don't read their Bible. So Christians deceive, disinformed, and ignorant of Scripture is what that is. The reason why people are so confused about God is because they are listening to everyone except the Word of God. Jesus said of Satan in John 8, 42-47, Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks of his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. If these Christians do not believe in the devil, then they are calling Jesus a liar. Who do they belong to? This spiritual war is only intensifying everyone. You can try to hide from it, ignore it, or pretend that it will not affect you. If you take this manner of retreating, then you're losing. Did the apostles back down? Did they run from the fight after being indwelt by the Holy Spirit? Nope. They ran headfirst into the fray without remorse, armed with the salvation of Christ and His Holy Word. They saw things with an eternal perspective and they were able to see the true enemies behind all the schemings of Satan. Satan and his followers are so delusional that in their blinding hatred opposing God, they willingly fulfill God's decree. The enemies of God play right into God's hands fulfilling Scripture. Even when they know scripture, God will use all things, situations, and created beings for his purpose and his glory. Ladies and gentlemen, we are at war. All of this I just read stems from Satan and his forces. 
Our enemies have caused Christians with weak spines to become coward and muted by this world system and the devil who runs it. Stand up and fight for Jesus. And next week in part three, we're going to discuss the weapons that are used in spiritual warfare. And there's a lot of those. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Isaiah 55.7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Stop being a follower of Satan and give your life to Jesus Christ. Ask the Savior to forgive you of your sins. Ask Jesus to come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. If you do this, you will gain eternal life in heaven with God. Give your life to him today.